Shavua Tov, everybody. Welcome to Parashat Kitsa. As we began to approach President's Weekend a few days ago, I started to reflect on what being an American really means to me. We as Americans have so much to be proud of, so much to be thankful for. We live in a country full of so much blessing, so much abundance. We take it for granted so often. We're the first Jewish people in the history of the world to live in a country other than Israel, where we can feel like completely equal citizens, like fully valued members of society. But again, this question keeps arising for me. What does it really mean for me to be an American? Does it just mean that I live in America? So according to the great American sociologist named Robert Bella, Americans have something called a civil religion. So even though we have separation of church and state, and we don't all worship the same way or have the same religious practices at home, we do, however, have a set of rituals and stories that fundamentally define what it is to be an American and what it is to have an American identity and American ideals. If you dig a little bit, you'll learn that this American story is directly based on the story of Am Yisrael seeking freedom in Sefer Shemot, in the book of Exodus. The story is all about escaping from persecution, searching for a life of religious freedom. Only, of course, instead of Egypt, you have to read Great Britain into the story. And, of course, instead of the Yam Suf, you have to read the Atlantic Ocean. Abraham Lincoln even went so far as to say that Americans are the almost chosen people. In his inaugural address, Bill Clinton proclaimed, guided by the ancient vision of a promised land, let us set our sights on a land of new promise. So what this means, in other words, is that what we are experiencing today as Americans is the story of Moshe and Bnei Israel being lived out and unfolding in contemporary terms. But how did this biblical story ever become adopted as the American story? So believe it or not, the very first settlers in America on board the Mayflower in 1620 and the Arabella in 1630 were Puritans who totally defined themselves in terms of the Torah, which they saw as really engraved on their hearts. They saw the Torah as their defining text, so much so that Hebrew was just one vote shy of becoming the official spoken American language, believe it or not. And then in typical biblical fashion, they decided to make a covenant. The word compact is actually another word for covenant, and the Mayflower Compact contains these words, that we do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civic body politic. So even before Americans set foot on North America, they decided that they wanted to build a society based fundamentally on berit, on covenant. And as for John Winthrop aboard the Arabella in 1630, he reenacts the very end of Sefer Devarim when Moshe Rabbeinu renews the covenant at the end of his life. And he says the following, to shut this discourse with the exhortation of Moses, that faithful servant of the Lord, in his last farewell to Israel, he quotes Deuteronomy 30, Behold, there is now set before us life and death, good and evil, and that we are commanded this day to love the Lord our God. Winthrop's vision of his new society was known as a shining city upon a hill, in his words, 
And this has become a perennial symbol of hope for us as Americans till this very day. And Winthrop quotes from Sefer Micha to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. Asot mishpat, ve'ahavat chesed, im elohecha. The bottom line of American society was and is an unwavering dedication towards covenant. At the very end of this week's parasha, we read about a very curious incident between Moshe and Bnei Israel. Moshe has just spent 40 days and 40 nights on Har Sinai. He has just single-handedly saved Bnei Israel from complete and total annihilation. And he has elevated himself to a level of holiness that no man has ever reached or will ever reach again. Moshe has spoken to God face to face, panim el panim, and now says the Torah, when Moshe was making his way down the mountain, Moshe didn't know that his face was glowing as God spoke to him. Isn't that just incredible? Moshe Rabbeinu was literally glowing from all that, had been, that he had been through. And yet he had no idea of the transformation that had just taken place. How could a person like Moshe Rabbeinu, who knew the deepest secrets of the cosmos, you know, everything that we could only imagine, how could a person like that not even be aware of something so obvious to the rest of us? So in my humble opinion, this pasuk itself actually contains the key to understanding how Moshe could have been so oblivious to his new shining form. The reason is, as the pasuk states, Ushne luhot ha'edut be'yad Moshe. The two tablets of the covenant were in Moshe's hands. Moshe was dedicated to one thing, and to one thing alone, the mission of his life, the covenant with Borei Olam. Everything else was secondary to this mission of Siddhaqa Mishpat, of justice and righteousness, so much so that Moshe didn't even know that he was physically transformed by a brilliant light. So to quote C.S. Lewis, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. For Moshe, this was never about his own glory or even his own spiritual achievements. Everything Moshe had done was for the sake of his nation and for the sake of the covenant. And so, here he is, totally unaware just how brightly he now glowed. Because you know something? This is just who great leaders are at their core. Like Moshe, they act selflessly no matter what the circumstances. They never think of themselves. They're always thinking instead of the people that they serve and about the mission of their lives. When we look at the character of the first president of this great country, we see a person, Lehavdil, of very similar temperament to Moshe Rabbeinu. Famously, towards the end of the Revolutionary War, George Washington received a letter from Colonel Louis Nicola, in which he was offered to be king of the new country, and he very vehemently turned this down. Washington also resigned as president after just two terms in office, setting a precedent for hundreds of years. He dressed in civilian clothing rather than in his military uniform, and he turned down titles such as His Highness and His Elective Majesty, accepting only the simple and austere title, 
president of the United States. Washington was not concerned about his own status. He was single-mindedly dedicated to preserving and protecting a new way of life built on the covenantal values of liberty, equality, and justice. George Washington knew that for the great American experiment of democracy to really succeed, there was no place for his ego. I feel so blessed these past four years to have joined the family of Sephardic Synagogue and the beautiful synagogue in Allenhurst, New Jersey. My time in Sephardic has allowed me to get a glimpse into the character of some remarkable leaders of our community, my beloved teachers, Ronnie Benin, Rabbi Hittery. I've been so inspired most of all by the opportunities to learn from and observe Rabbi Shama, a man who truly carries on the legacy of humility that we saw in leaders like Moshe Rabbeinu and George Washington. This is a man who, in the words of Rabbi Sassoon, his teacher, shows us how one finds a relationship with Borei Olam through the non-ego. In his brilliant book, Recalling the Covenant, you can read the most incredible ideas about the Berit and just how fundamental this is to our identity as a nation. And throughout his tenure as rabbi and leader in our community, Rabbi Moshe Shama has, has shown us all what it means to put the spiritual mission above all else. From his willingness to close down Sephardic High School after the opening of Mag and David, because you know what? It wasn't about his ego. It was about learning Torah in the community. And he didn't want to compete. And he didn't care to stop his whole project on a dime. From that to his dealings with Ahiezer, where he only charged them the pre-inflated rate, and it was about a third of the price that he should have charged them. Countless other stories we hear about Rabbi Shama doing chesed, all for the mission that he was dedicated to for learning Torah in our community. So overall, what does it mean to be an American? It means knowing the story that got us to where we are today. It means knowing the mission that the very first settlers dedicated their lives to, the same mission that continues to guide us into today. It means knowing that the covenant that we have with God is the key to building a society of liberty, equality, and justice. If we follow in the footsteps of the man with the shining face, Moshe Rabbeinu, we will surely come ever closer to that shining city upon a hill envisioned by John Winthrop. We're so blessed to have role models, ancient and modern, from Moshe Rabbeinu's glowing countenance to George Washington refusing any extra fanfare to leaders in our very own community like Rabbi Shama, who exemplify humility and great strength. So this President's Weekend, as you enjoy that extra day off tomorrow on Monday, take a minute to reflect on all the blessings that you've been given in this beautiful country of ours. Take the time to instill in your family and in your children the covenantal values that brought us here and teach them and talk to them about the leaders who helped illuminate this path to freedom, the ancient leaders and the modern ones as well. So I'll close with the words of John F. Kennedy in 1961. He said, The same revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought are still at issue around the globe. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. Thank you very much, and Shavuot Tov.